The Ramayana, Part Two. Hello, this is Jana, and welcome to Story Nori. I am back with the second part of our Indian epic, the Ramayana. And before I start, I would like to thank Gaius, Clement, and Lucia, who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to help us, you can donate as little as five dollars per month at patreon.com. Forward slash story nori. In the first episode, we heard how a holy man Vishwamitra was being harassed by evil demons every time he tried to meditate and pray. He asked King Dashratha for the help of his son Rama and his brother Lakshmana. Rama fought the demons and killed them. Vishwamitra led the two boys, Rama and his brother Lakshmana, out of the forest. Rama strode along like a tiger. He had broad shoulders, powerful long arms, and his hands were as strong as diamonds. Most remarkable of all, his skin was sky blue, like the god Vishnu, because of course part of Vishnu was in him. His loyal brother Lakshmana had a complexion like gold, and a head full of curly hair. They were heading for the kingdom of Mithila. In the Himalayan mountains, where Janaka was king, King Janaka owned a remarkable weapon—the magnificent bow of Shiva. One time, the gods refused to share a sacrifice with Shiva. In anger, he picked up the bow and rushed at his fellow gods, meaning to kill them with it. Seeing his anger, the other gods began to sing hymns in praise of Shiva, just in the nick of time. Because their voices calmed Shiva, and soothed his temper, they persuaded Shiva to lay down the bow, and he gave it to a mortal man who was king of Mithila. He was Janaka's ancestor, and the bow has come down to Janaka. The divine weapon was incredibly powerful, and indeed, an arrow fired from it could destroy an entire city. But it was so strong. That no human had been able to string it, let alone load an arrow and fire it. King Janaka offered the hand in marriage of his daughter, Princess Sita, to any man who could string the bow. Sita was a remarkable young woman. The earth had given birth to her, and King Janaka had found her in a ploughed field. Many kings and princes had tried to string the bow, and all had failed. When Vishwamitra had told the story, he said, "Rama, shall we see if you can succeed where others have failed? Why not?" And so they walked on, higher and higher into the Himalayan mountains and the city of Mithila, which was in the country we now call Nepal. King Janaka met them at the break of day. He knelt down at the feet of Vishwamitra. And pressed his hands together with the fingers pointing upwards. Vishwamitra, you are famed as one of the wisest rishis on earth, a living saint. I am greatly honored by your visit. Command me, and I shall obey. You are known throughout the three worlds as a righteous king who follows the way of holy law. Dharma, I thank you for your hospitality. The gods have rewarded you. With the divine bow of Shiva, 
We have heard how you have promised the hand in marriage of your daughter, Sita, to the first man who can string the bow. We have come to take up the challenge. Let me introduce you to the noble sons of King Dasrata, the lotus-eyed Prince Rama, and the trusty Prince Lakshmana. Let us see if Prince Rama can lift the mighty bow and string it. If that is your wish, Visvamitra, of course I shall do exactly as you desire. But first, I must tell you, that many kings and princes have tried their hands at the bow, and not one has been able to lift it out of its box, let alone string it. Many of them have been frustrated and angry. That is exactly as I have heard, and I do not doubt that no mortal man has been able to lift the bow so far. But I am curious to see if Prince Rama can succeed where others have failed, and I assure you, if he may succeed or fail, there will be no anger or frustration. I am a man of my word. I shall do exactly as you have commanded. It is my honour to obey a man who is so famed for his wisdom and holiness. And so King Jonaka ordered preparations to be made for the trial of the bow. On the appointed day, crowds of nobles, holy men and ordinary folk gathered in the fields before the palace. The bow was kept in an iron chest on eight wheels, garlanded with flowers and scented with perfumes. It was so heavy that it took many men to haul the chest out while musicians played and women danced. Rama stepped down from the platform and strolled over to the iron chest. He peered inside and saw the magnificent bow of Shiva, with its many wonderful carvings and decorations. He reached inside the chest with one arm and lifted up the bow as if it was as light as a reed. Then, holding it with his foot, he bent the bow to string it. The crowd fell silent and gazed as he steadily pulled the top of the bow towards him until all of a sudden, it snapped in two, with a crack as loud as thunder. And the whole palace and the pavilion shook. People ducked and hid, some fainted, and others ran away. Only Vishwamitra, King Janaka, Lakshmana, and of course Rama himself, did not flinch. After some time, the earth stopped trembling and people had a chance to come to their senses. King Janaka sent ambassadors in swift chariots to Rama's father, King Dashrata in Ayodhya, to ask his permission for the marriage and to invite him to come as soon as possible to Mithila. The ambassadors arrived with their horses exhausted by the great rush. The chief ambassador knelt before King Dashrata with his hands pressed together and said, 
King Janaka of Mithila, delight of his people, sends you greetings and asks after your health. He wishes you to know that your son, the lotus-eyed Prince Rama, has succeeded in breaking the divine bow of Shiva and has won the hand of his daughter, Princess Sita. He asks for your permission for your son to marry Sita. King Dashrata immediately made preparations to travel to Mithila for the wedding. He sent priests ahead of him, escorted by soldiers, with rich gifts of treasure. He himself set off with his army. Soldiers carried the king in a golden palanquin. When they arrived, they were greeted by King Janaka, and preparations were made for the magnificent wedding. The streets are filled with sweet-sung songs that charm the ears and joyful tears and cheers of delight, clattering of hooves, trumpets of elephant's might. Flowers are strewn across the way and merchants put out their rich displays. Women dance and rishis trance, soldiers drill and spectators thrill. All are ready for the great celebration. All await holy vows of affirmation. Rama readies himself by fasting and fixing his soul on the everlasting. His head is shaved according to the way that the gods decreed for this wedding day. His brother Lakshmana is to be married too to Sita's sister who is beautiful, kind and true. And then the ceremony begins. Rama this is my daughter Sita. Take her hand. I hold your hand according to Dhamma. We are husband and wife. Lakshmana, this is my daughter Urmila. Take her hand. Urmila, I hold your hand according to Dharma. We are husband and wife. Three times Rama and Sita circled the sacred flame, and Lakshmana and his bride do the same. Then celestial drums sound out on high, and blossoms fall down from the cloudless sky. Joyous cheers sound across the land, mingled with music from the wedding bands. celebrations had finally come to a close, Vishwamitra announced that he had accomplished all he wished for and took his leave, heading for the higher up slopes of the Himalayan mountains where he could contemplate in solitude. It was also time for King Dashratha to return to Ayodhya with his sons and their new wives. Before they departed, King Janaka gave the newlyweds many rich gifts including horses, chariots 
and many of the finest cows. Finally, they set out on the way. But the journey home was not uneventful. Along the road out of Nicola, they heard birds shrieking terribly, and the sun went dark. King Dashratha asked his family priest, Vasista, what was the meaning of the dreadful sounds? And the priest replied, Something terrible is about to happen. But do not trouble yourself, because it will end well. And his wise words were soon proven to be correct. The road ahead caught fire, and a huge mountain of a man stepped out of the flames, with an axe slung over his shoulder, and his hands holding a bow, very like the one that Rama had broken. King Dashratha's men fell to the ground unconscious. Only the king, his family and his priests were left standing. The family priest, Vasistha, recognised the terrifying figure as Parashurama, or the Rama with an axe. Like Rama, he was an avatar of the god Vishnu. An avatar has the form of a human being, and at the same time represents a god on earth. The god Shiva had taught Parashurama the art of war, and had given him an axe and a bow which he always carried with him. He was not shy to use his weapons of war. He caused so much death and destruction that the god Indra made him vow to put down his weapons and lead a life of peace. It seemed that he had forgotten his promise. King Dashratha's son Rama stepped forward and spoke to Rama with an axe. He chose his words carefully so as to soothe the fierce warrior. As he spoke, he held his hands together in a respectful greeting. Mighty Parashurama, Namaste, he said. I am most highly honoured to meet you. Your wish is my command. Prince Rama, I saw how you broke the mighty bow of Shiva. Now you think you're stronger than anyone else on earth? <laughs> A real tough guy, aren't you? Well, I've got news for you. That bow was ready to snap. It spent a thousand years inside a rusty old box. The rain got to it and rotted it. Well, as it happens, I have one just like it. Another bow given by mighty Shiva. And now I present this bow to you, for you to use as a replacement. Thank you for this wonderful gift, said Rama. <laughs> You're welcome. And here's what you can do for me in return. We shall fight a duel to the death and see who is the strongest. You with the bow or me with the axe? If you are as strong as you think you are, you will be able to string that bow in a second or two and shoot me before I can get near you with my axe. But somehow I don't feel afraid. I don't think you have the strength. I think you are a weakling. Now let us both try our luck and see if I am correct. Parashurama, if a duel to the death is what you wish for, then I cannot refuse your request, said Rama. But as soon as he spoke these words, King Dashratha was filled with fear for the life of his beloved son. 
raising his hands and trembling. He cried, Honoured Parashurama, do not think of fighting or killing. I've heard you made a promise to Thousand-Eyed Indra to put aside your weapons. So keep to your word, I say. If you were to kill Rama, you would be killing me too. And all of us. Because we cannot live without him. There is no need for such a terrible trial of strength. Think of harmony on earth and the gods in heaven. And, above all, remember your vow of peace. But the Rama with an axe took no notice of the king, and still addressing Prince Rama, said, This bow is divine, without equal. Its arrows are powerful enough to destroy cities. How could you not want to try it? Though I doubt that you have the strength to use it. But when Parashurama saw Rama pull the impossibly powerful bow back to his head and take aim, he realised that he had made a terrible mistake. He began to tremble and say, Rama, please do not destroy me altogether. Allow me the freedom to travel to the mountains and live as a hermit. I will never be violent again. I give my word. Rama replied, I will not kill you with this arrow, though I do have the power to do so. This arrow will drive the arrogance out of you once and for all. And with a mighty earth-shattering twang, the arrow flew from the bow of Shiva, striking Parashurama and sending him flying to the Mahendra mountains in the east, where he landed with a shuddering thud. He was no longer the Rama with an axe, because he dropped his mighty weapon. He was shaken to the core, and heaven was barred to him for breaking his vow of peace. But now at last, he began to lead a blameless life of contemplation. Then Rama, with the bow of Shiva in his hand, prayed to the gods to thank them for his gift and victory. When the wedding party reached Ayodhya, Rama and his brothers and their brides were greeted by the three wives of King Dashratha and welcomed into the family. And all of them lived blissfully, enjoying the beautiful surroundings, friends and each other. Rama and Sita grew more and more in love. With each passing year, he became more godlike and she more and more resembled a goddess. After some time had passed, King Dashratha summoned Rama's brother, Prince Bharat. He told him that his uncle had arrived from the kingdom of Kakeya, where his mother had been born. He wished him to visit his relatives at home. Prince Bharat readily agreed to do as his father wished. Bharat set out with his uncle on his journey. His mother, Queen Kakei, was naturally sad to be parted from her son but she was also happy for him to visit her relatives. She did not think it was anything other than a normal family visit, until one of her servants came to her and told her to be worried. And if you would like to find out what the servant told Queen Kakai, tune in soon to Story Nori's version of the Ramayana. 
We are going to finish the show by telling you about a few of the Hindu gods. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, Wandery. Grown-ups, if your kids asked you how long a camel can go without water, would you know the answer? A day? A week? A month? Well, in fact, the correct answer is two weeks. I know this because we've been listening to Flip and Mosey's guide to how to be an earthling. Flip and Mosey are exploring earth and meeting animals from all around the world. One of our favourite travel pods from last season was when Flip and Mosey visited the Philippines. Flip climbed into a tree to meet a paradise tree snake which showed off how he could fly. Flip tried to fly too with hilarious results. Flip and Mosey's Guide features songs the whole family will love, written and composed by the Pop-Ups, three-time Grammy-nominated children's artists. This holiday, Taking an Adventure is as simple as pressing play on an episode of Flip and Mosey's Guide to How to Be an Earthling. Listen to new episodes of How to Be an Earthling on Thursdays, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wandry app. We really hope you are enjoying Story Nori's Ramayana. And if you are not familiar with the Hindu gods, here's a little guide. Brahma is the creator of the universe and is often shown with four faces and four arms. Vishnu is the preserver of the universe. He's often shown with blue skin and four arms. And he takes on many human forms or avatars, including Rama, Krishna and Buddha. Shiva is the destroyer of the universe. He reaps a kind of creative destruction. Because without destruction, there can be no rebirth. Do tune in soon to Story Nori to continue with this Indian epic. And I would very much like to thank Gaius, Clement and Lucia for supporting Story Nori on Patreon. Their father writes, I just wanted to thank you for all the wonderful audio stories. My three young children love them. Story Nori is just the type of resource I was looking for. Audio stories like books require much more active attention than video, and I think such active listening is great for children. You too can support us for as little as $5 per month at patreon.com forward slash storynori or look for the link in the sidebar of storynori.com. The Ramayana is adapted by Story Nori's Bertie and read by me, Jana. It features the voices of Bertie and Tom Ferrance. And just as a reminder, we have another podcast called Relaxivity. It is aimed at teenagers and adults and features audio of a spiritual and calming nature. And now I'm going to play you out with a Hindu prayer to the Lord of the Universe. I think you will find the words of universal appeal. For now, from me, Jana, see you soon. Om
Thank you.